Welcome to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast, brought to you by Asfalis Advisors and the Disaster Recovery Journal. Crisis management in today's world is ever-changing, and this podcast is our commitment to help you navigate successful outcomes for any crisis you may face. I'm your host, Vanessa Matthews. I specialize in providing insights and solutions for crisis, continuity, and resilience across industries from real estate and healthcare to terrorism in the airline and transportation worlds. No matter what industry you're in, this podcast will provide you the tools to build resilience in your organization. Welcome back to another episode of the Business Resilience Decoded podcast. Today, we are talking to Mayor Vi Lyles of the city of Charlotte, and our topic is on creating a resilient future for Charlotte, North Carolina. So a couple of things I want to hit on for the four initiatives. Uh, when George Floyd was murdered, somebody in the industry called me and said, you should do a podcast on George Floyd. And I was like, are you kidding me? It's career suicide. I'm never talking about racism. I will lose all my clients. And the response was, you own your own business. You are not in corporate. You can speak the truth. So we recorded a podcast called What Can You Do About Racism? And it was targeted to the crisis management and business resilience profession because we think in our industry, uh, with an industry of less than 1% of us that are African-Americans or other minorities, we think sometimes that diversity and inclusion, supplier diversity is that department over there that has nothing to do with risk management. But the risk is, is that you're unaware. The risk is, is that we're not inclusive. The risk is we cannot recruit people within our companies because they don't want to work for an organization who doesn't reflect their values and what they look like. And so when I hear these initiatives that you talked about, what I like about them is they're tangible. And so as we sit back for you guys who may be in any part of the world that you're in, whether you're in government, whether you're in nonprofit, uh, whether you're in corporate, what the mayor just shared with us are things that are public-private things that you can do cohesively within your community. Um, investing back into where your minorities live is absolutely critical. My husband and I uh, strategically picked a neighborhood in the Black community of Charlotte. Um, we did not want to move to another community. And we wanted to ensure that we infuse our dollars back there. Not, not only is our house in a black neighborhood, but our builder was African-American. Our realtor was African-American. Uh, the lender was African-American. And so when we talk about circulating the dollar in our own community, it was very intentional that we, that, that, that we did that. We even drive across town to go to a black owned gas station to intentionally put gas in the hands of minorities. Um, you've talked about closing the digital uh, uh, divide, especially for, for those who live in rural communities. It's such a big deal and the infrastructure just is not there. And so the support of, of corporate partners. Uh, but she also talked about historically black colleges. For those of you who don't know, Johnson C. Smith is an HBCU. And so being able to pump talent from these schools into corporate and building up their skills, paying them fairly is so critical to reduce the risk that we're currently experiencing and then the last thing that you shared is, you know, what gets measured gets managed. That's right. And at the end of the day, where's the dashboard? <laughs> 
Where do I measure it? What's mm-hmm. the progress? What are the goals? And so we we do a lot of work now uh, in the vein of DEI and crisis management because it's that intersection that matters. And so I just want to say thank you for what you're doing in Charlotte. Well, <laughs> I, I I really appreciate it. It's it's not. I want you to know that there was a. It, this was truly one of those special moments where we had corporate executives where we had community college and the college presidents come together, where we actually talked in government about what was most important that we lost during the pandemic. So this wasn't a mayor's, it's named the mayor's initiative because I wanted to have a generational um, mm. for moving forward. I want the next mayor to feel some accountability because this is a five-year program. And at some point that $250 million it's great, but it is never enough to invest in people and to invest in changing our history from a past of segregation and 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 um, over policing and all of these things. At some point, we have to start thinking about how do we address that. And I, you say what gets done, what measure gets done, what gets funded mm. gets done that as part. well. <laughs> and part of this is understanding mm. people in this city voted for us to be able to do what we're doing. And we owe that to them, to support them in their own ability to be successful. And I can't say that enough. The bridge to Ballantyne would not have been there without the core of our city voting for those bonds to build that bridge. There's so many examples of that kind of um, support from people that have lived here. So just think about that. You would want you would want those folks to continue to believe in your city. Yep. And, and that's one of my jobs as mayor is to constantly talk about the fact that we are thinking about you as an individual. We are thinking about you as a family. We want you to have a safe place to live. We want you to have a decent place to live. We want you to have a job and a choice about the job. We want arts and culture. So in this moment in time, I hope everyone in our community will join together on these major priorities and just find their place to contribute. That makes all the difference. Absolutely. One thing I want to say is this initiative is bold, um, but it also aligns with one of my core values, or maybe not a value, but something that I deeply care about, and that is uh, legacy, leaving a legacy behind. And so I love that you're laying a path for whoever comes next, Mm -hmm. and these are priorities that do matter. Um, and will continue to matter. These absolutely. aren't going to be fixable because you voted for someone for two years to serve. I mean, I, yeah. that, let's just be very realistic. Yeah. It has to be the community that has to embrace this and call on the next mayor that's going to have to face what do we do after these five years that they understand there's an expectation it be done. Absolutely. So before we wrap up, I definitely want to talk to you about transportation and infrastructure because it's another piece of risk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we're doing some healthcare work and we're looking at equity and inclusion. And some of the residents are the um, patients who our clients support don't have access. Right. So transportation and infrastructure and community safety have also been areas of growth in Charlotte. Can you tell us about the progress that's been made in these areas and why they're so important? Well, let's start with the healthcare. Charlotte only has two federal healthcare facilities in the, our city, and those are the ones to get major funding from the federal government, and we're really proud of those too. But at the same time, COVID really showed us the disparity in um, treatment of 
everything. It, COVID impacted everything, whether or not you could get into a hospital, yeah. what, whether, how do you get your blood pressure down? All of these things are very important to our community. I think that what Atrium and Novant are continuing to do by building out an equitable framework for healthcare by creating the clinics that we have, the Michael Jordan's clinics, the clinics that we have throughout the community with Atrium, they are going to have a clinic at Johnson C. Smith at the university as a part of our racial equity program. But Atrium has also said at the medical school, they're gonna take students from Smith and bring them over and build a talent base so that you can go to medical school after having these experiences of seeing it. You don't usually understand what you can do until you see someone that you mm -hmm. admire doing it. And that medical school is going to do that. Those doctors are going to do that. And so I think we're feeling that we can move positively um, on health care. In terms of infrastructure, we're growing 400,000 new people in the next 20 years, the size of Asheville and Greensboro. So let's just say we move Asheville the first 10 and we move Greensboro the second 10. What are we gonna do about infrastructure? So I have worked um, I, with one of my kindest mentors and strongest um, people that I have great confidence in, Harvey Gant, to put together a transportation program that would say, how do we move people around the city? Because quality of life is not sitting in traffic and traffic congestion. And we have to figure out how to move people in mass transit. So buses need to be reliable. We need the spines of a fixed rail that allow buses to be efficient. You know, a lot of people say, well, you don't need the rail. Well, the buses work best when rail is getting you to the places that the buses are for the sh next shorter trip. You know, I, there's just so much to say about infrastructure, our sidewalks, our water, keeping safe water. We have, if we're going to have new industries come in that require water, if these batteries are going to be made here, what's required of them? What do we need to do? Um, I'm proud to say that the city is on a path for electric vehicles. We'll have our first electric fire truck. We've got about 12 to 14 electric buses on the street right now. We are doing this work because it's about the quality of life. And it's gonna um, be different for us because we have to do it with equity, we have to do it with inclusion, we have to really include everyone's questions and address it. So it's not gonna be a low cost thing. Mm -hmm. We're gonna have to figure out one day how to fund the improvements that the community expects and wants to engage and make happen. Absolutely, and I, I've seen on the news maybe over a few few months ago, uh, Vice President, the, the current Vice President of the United States, yes. Kamala Harris, Yes. Uh, first of all, just black girl magic. But anyway, yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, she's come here to talk about that infrastructure bill that they've set at the federal level. And so are we hopeful that Charlotte will get a piece of that pie? <laughs> we, we, are, we are not hopeful. We're going after the piece okay. of that pie. I, I have built relationships at every level of government that needs to participate in this. There might be different ways to participate, but we are going to be working very closely with the United States Department of Transportation because we have to understand, or they have to understand, our business case, and we're working towards that. So uh, it's beyond hope. It's hard work. It's lobbying. It's making sure that our voice is heard, and we've been doing that for months now. And I think that I want to say this about the Biden administration. Secretary Buttigieg and um, our vice president coming here, that was a statement being made. That was something visibly that you can see as commitment 
to cities like ours. And so thank them for that. And we're going to work hard and make sure that they deliver awesome. the work that we need to have the money that we need to do the work. Yep. What gets funded gets managed. That's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm taking that one, Mary. <laughs> so, last question. Do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share on making Charlotte and its residents a more resilient community as your voice will spread through 28,000 plus downloads across the world? Wow, that's no pressure, <laughs> Vanessa, no pressure at all. You know what? I When I think about what makes a resilient city, it's a city where we recognize that we're not doing the things that will make us resilient. So when I think about how do we um, take care of storm water, how do we make sure we have clean water, how do we make sure we have a tree canopy, all of those things are part of resilience. And what I believe is that we have to be strategic about it, we have to set priorities, and we have to fund and deliver. And so for the residents of this community, I want to thank them for allowing me to have the opportunity to serve as a voice that really cares deeply about this, this community. I, I have a tangible love for this city. I feel like I can put my arms around it and things will be better. Um, and I try to see that in a way that residents of this community understand that they should put their arms around city government and make sure that we're doing the things that are important for them to be resilient because it's all about the people that live here. Awesome. Well, there you have it. Thank you for tuning in to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast. Thank you for listening to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast brought to you by Asphalus Advisors and Disaster Recovery Journal. Make sure you check out the show notes for this episode to see all the upcoming events, programs, and ways we can support you. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review, and share it with a friend. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.